We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bo 92.9 The Game. The home for our Falcons. 10, 5, touchdown Atlanta! WZGC Atlanta and WZGC HD1. Always live and free on the Odyssey app. Talking local sports. Late at night. It's the John Chuckery Show. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Countdown to Super Bowl 57. Oh, can't wait till Sunday. Solomon Wilcox is here, Emmy Award winning broadcaster. He's got a, uh, a great podcast he does. He's doing so many things, and he's also going to tell us about Marcy, uh, Macy, that is, should I say, uh, a treatment for uh, folks that just like you that uh, that's available. But right now, I want to talk about the Super Bowl. And Solomon, it's good to have you back on the show, man. I was just asking Mike this question. I'm curious to know what you think. Does Sunday simply come down to who you trust? Is it Patrick Mahomes or is it Jalen Hurts? Because I look at this this game and I'm looking at the line and I'm going, okay, I, I know what Patrick is about. I've seen him in this game. But as good as Jalen Hurts has been all season long, do you trust him in this moment to be as dynamic as he's been all season long? Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I trust them both. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you and I both know they go both go about beating you in different ways. Jalen Hurts with the design run game um, that uh, allows them to really activate their entire backfield uh, with the other running backs in Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott. But Mahomes is the consummate conductor. Like if mm-hmm. You told me if this game came down to the final possession, who could get the ball into the end zone and win it for their team? I think a lot of people, including myself, are going to weigh heavily uh, on the side of Patrick Mahomes. I know you did the uh, podcast with uh, Eric Bieniemy. We're going to talk more about him in a minute. But the, this offense and, and all the weapons, I, I was wondering, would they ever lose Tyreek Hill and miss him? But it seems like now you lose McCole Harbin. Are they going to have enough playmakers? I know they're getting uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back, but they got all the weapons they need. Yeah, look, I think they do have the weapons. And if you think about the lost production of one Tyreek Hill, you would think, wow, no way Mahomes is going to be able to come back the next year and throw for over 5,000 yards. No way they're going to be able to lead the league in scoring. Um, they, we saw offensive production spike in 2022, even though they lose one of the most prolific and most explosive players in Tyreek Hill. Go look at the production, particularly in the passing game, next to the name of Jared McKinnon, and look at what he's done down inside the red zone. Look at how many offensive um, receptions for touchdowns that he's been able to score. And you can see a lot of that production being moved um, to Patrick Mahomes, being more patient, finding his running backs coming out of the backfield. In that way, I don't know that we're not talking enough about how the running backs match up with the Eagles linebackers coming out of the backfield in the passing game. I know you do the Believe in uh, Bengals podcast. I'm curious, do you think that the Chiefs defense can get after Jalen Hurts like they did Joe Burrow? Now, we know the Bengals were injured up front, and, you know, they were dealing with a lot of things. But, Solomon, 
are, are they capable of doing anything close to having Jalen Hurts running for his life that they had, like they had Joe Burrow doing his? Probably not. I, I mean, let's face it, the Bengals are missing three of their five um, starters on that offensive line. This Eagles offensive line is formidable. I mean, they are the truth, led by Jason Kelsey. I think what happens is, if you would ask most defensive coordinators around this league, would you want to face the Jalen Hurts that when you force him to be a pocket passer and see if he could beat you? Oh, do you want him operating in the RPO system in that run pass option? They would say, oh, no, we'd rather him be back in the pocket. Even if he had time to throw, we like our odds. And I think uh, the Chiefs are going to first have to stop the RPO game, that run pass option that seems to keep defenses back on their heels. And I think if I'm Steve Spagnuolo, I'm blowing that up at the at the mesh point. Mm. While they're trying to read and react to what the defense is doing, I'm not allowing them to do that. Mm. I'm getting penetration. I'm trying to blow up the run pass option and force Jalen Hurts to become a pocket passer. You and I both know that he's gotten better at that. Right. I think he proved it at the start of the season. But do you know he's gone three of the last four games without a passing touchdown? And so that's the, the area mm. that I would be looking to thread the needle forcing Jalen Hurts to become a pocket passer and prove that he can continue to do it on the biggest stage. It is Solomon Wilcon's guys played safety for the Bengals, played in that great Super Bowl against the 49ers, joins us here on the waitfor.com hotline. Because there's the rub. Uh, Sirianni, this is his first rodeo. Not the first rodeo for Andy Reid as the head coach, but you're right. I think you look at this and you say, the Eagles, you kind of had a charmed path, Solomon. They didn't have to really sweat the Giants. And the 49ers game was pretty much over before it started. And this is going to be a, this is going to be a 15-round fight, isn't it? You guys are right. And, look, I think if we were honest, even before the season started, we thought that the AFC was stacked, that that was the gauntlet. Um, and then as the, as the season unfolded, you looked at the NFC and said, it's the Eagles, it's the 49ers, and uh, nobody else. And by the time the Eagles got to the NFC Championship game, they're playing with their fourth quarterback. Now, the Eagles had something to do with that, but they knocked Brock Purdy out their third quarterback of the season and got to Josh Johnson, knocked him out. But you and I both know the Eagles have had less resistance in their pathway to the Super Bowl than, say, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. But here they are. It is a heavyweight fight. Both are number one seeds, and I don't know that any of us are questioning if they're the best team in their conference. And now uh, we're going to have to see who can, who can overcome the other. Will it be the AFC team that – I think that had to go through a much more difficult road to get here. We'll see if that wins out on the big stage in this game. Solomon Wilcox joining us here on Dukes and Bell. Tell us about Macy and what it is and what it does for people. Well, guys, imagine uh, you're experiencing cartilage knee pain. You know, roughly 12 million people each year go to their doctor complaining about some kind of knee pain. About half of that, 6 million people, end up experiencing cartilage damage. Well, imagine that the doctor can go into your knee um, and perform a biopsy, pull the healthy tissue from your cartilage, place it on a cartilage uh, membrane and grow it, uh, and then put it back in to insert it in those areas that have been damaged. That's what the Macy procedure is all about uh, by Veracell. You go to Macy.com, M-A-C-I.com to find out more if you are experiencing cartilage damage, you're looking for a doctor in your area, ask them about Macy. You can go to the website, read up about it, and find a doctor in your area that performs the procedure. Um, this is about getting 
weekend warriors back to going out and having fun and getting people back to their everyday lives, not to mention athletes being able to get back to competition and getting back on the field. Like that. Yeah, that's part of the deal, man. You can't lose weight if you can't, you know, move and do some cardio and all that stuff. It is, take it from us. Right. It is uh, Solomon Wilcox with us, guys, on the waitforit.com hotline. You think this is going to be a high-scoring game, Solomon, on Sunday? You know, I do. I, I like both defenses, but I just think the offense um, and Patrick Mahomes, I think they're, they're that good. I think both teams will be over 20 points for sure. Um, if one team starts to turn it over a little bit more, I think they can find it difficult to hit 30, right? So I think both teams score anywhere between 20 to 30 points. If I had to pick a team that could score over 30 uh, for sure, I think it would be the Chiefs. But I think both teams, think about it. The Eagles have scored 30-plus points in both of their postseason games and held their opponent to seven points or less in both postseason games. So both teams are capable of lighting it up, but I see both scoring 20 to 25 points each, um, and that's the floor for both teams. Solomon, before we let you go, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on Andy Reid. Um, it's silly to say he's underrated or underappreciated, but he's been damn good in his career, and here he is in another Super Bowl. We never talk about Andy Reid like we do Bill Belichick, and I'm not saying that you know we should based on the fact that Belichick has won a lot more Super Bowls, but consistency and winning. He's done that. He's been one of the most consistent, and he's won a lot of games, and here he is back in another Super Bowl. He's a program builder, right, guys? I mean, he's done that. Both of these teams has the culture of the organization, the foundation to both organizations starts with Andy Reid. It's 14 seasons spent in Philadelphia. I think Jeffrey Lurie will tell you. Foundation of what they know to be the winning formula where the Eagles was started back in 1999 with Andy Reid. Since coming over to the Kansas City Chiefs, his 10 seasons playing, you know, and running Clark Hunt's team, um, they've never experienced this kind of success or run of success ever in the history of the franchise prior to, to having Andy Reid come over. Now um, winning, you know, going to five straight AFC conference title games, going to the Super Bowl now for the third time in the last four years. Andy Reid's got his fingerprints all over both of these franchises. And I think we should celebrate that. I think you bringing it up, I think it's very important, and I think it should not be ignored. It is Solomon Wilcox with us, guys, here on the waitfor.com hotline. I mentioned you spoke with Eric Bieniemy last week. If the Chiefs win this Super Bowl, because Bieniemy he interviewed for almost everything. There's only two coaching jobs left. I would think Bieniemy with Mahomes, not to you know, pigeonhole it, but wouldn't that be a nice fit in Arizona? But it seems like he's not even mentioned for any of these jobs. Yeah, I think he'd be great fit for what Kyler Murray needs, right? I mean, you need a guy like him to help right the ship. I think whoever comes into Arizona, they're going to have to be able to rein in the quarterback, force, you know, really help him to understand what the culture's like, what being a good teammate is like. And he's got to be a stakeholder along with the head coach of building something special. Eric the enemy is that kind of guy. He's that kind of force multiplier. Um, and so we're hoping the best for him, but I – I think to your point, if, if the Chiefs win this Super Bowl, don't we have to start mentioning them as a potential dynasty? Don't we have right. to start mentioning yes. this period of, of run of success with Andy Reid, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Eric Bieniemy as sort of this winning formula that cannot be denied? I, I think it'll be a phenomenal run, and they, and they still have this future out there ahead of them where you're going to have to start to 
kind of mention them as the next dynasty in the NFL. Great stuff, Solomon. Continued success, brother. Glad to have you on, uh, and it's always good to hear from you. And check out Macy. Where can they find out more information again? Yeah, go to www.macy.com, M-A-C-I.com. We appreciate you guys having me on. You guys keep up the good work. You do a great job. Appreciate you, man. As always, um, Solomon Wilcox. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make some noise! Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Talented, infuriating, frustrating, difficult, a difference maker, a cancer, a mess, a disaster in the locker room. No, we're not talking about John Chuckery. I'm Rob Triple in for John Chuckery. We're actually talking about Kyrie Irving. So he's loading all of his baggage, headed to Dallas. Now, of course, earlier tonight, the Nets were looking to expand a deal with a third team, but now confirmed two-team deal. Mavericks get a, of course, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, the point guard, and also uh, Dorian Finney-Smith going to the Nets. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie averaging about 17 points, three boards a game. Also a 2029 uh, first-rounder. And... um. Of course, uh, Mac Engel, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, basically uh, a scathing critique of the trade, basically called uh, Kyrie Irving NBA's version of Socrates without the brains. One prima donna net you wanted, and it, it wasn't him. It, the other one is uh, a Longhorn, as in Kevin Durant. And an NBA executive, unnamed, of course, described Kyrie Irving as a disaster in the locker room, a cancer, a mess. And after he said that, the reporter asked him, so you wouldn't take him? He goes, oh, no, I didn't say that. I would absolutely take a chance. And that's how intoxicating the notion of elite talent can be. You're willing to deal with all the baggage that comes with it, and you're hoping some of the baggage goes away and he can, uh, he can coexist in that locker room. But I thought it was funny, though. The, I mean, the, the reporter asked the NBA executive. He basically said the NBA executive went off on a one-minute soliloquy about Kyrie Irving. A mess, a disaster in the locker room, a cancer. But too talented not to bring in. 
and apparently uh, reports say that um, out of spite, the Nets owners turned down any trade uh, offers from the L.A. Lakers. Out of spite for uh, Kyrie, and of course LeBron James, disappointed, tweeted out succinctly, what is it, me? Apparently that was done out of spite. But the West is kind of wide open now. Look at us, Steph Curry's out till after the All-Star break with that leg injury. Dallas is in sixth place in the uh, Western Conference. But how is this going to work out, though? You have two ball-dominant superstars in Luka, of course, and now Kyrie Irving. But that's interesting what teams are willing to put up with because you're so talented. Look at Antonio Brown. Is Kyrie Irving a borderline Antonio Brown of the NBA? Maybe not that far, that extreme, but the mercurial behavior tends to lead you to believe he's at least uh, on the same uh, interstate as uh, Antonio Brown. But most uh, league executives think this is going to end up being a disaster. Number one, will Kyrie even want to stick around? He wants a four-year, $198 million deal. He's 31 years old, still has probably five good years left in him. But interestingly enough, though, Vegas has increased the Mavericks' odds of winning a title from 33-1 to to 10-1. to So, if anything, it's going to make the Mavericks must-see TV, and I wouldn't be surprised if – I don't know if they do uh, flex scheduling in the NBA like they do the NFL to get more compelling games on. How much Mavericks basketball is going to be on now as far as national games go? I don't know if they do that flex scheduling or not. But it's certainly going to make that team interesting. I think even uh, fans of specific teams are going to really keep an eye on what happens in Dallas. It certainly makes it interesting, to say the least. But that's what's going to happen, though. Can he coexist with Luka? That's going to be the question. And they don't want to squander his most productive years. So Kyrie Irving uh, headed to the uh, Mavericks. As for the Hawks, there are some rumors with the NBA trade trade deadline coming up on the 9th. kid by the name of uh, Matrice Thibel, he's a very, very good perimeter defender, one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And we know that's what the issue is with the Hawks. They can put the ball in the bucket, but they can't stop the other team from doing so, and the perimeter defense has been a liability. He offers almost no offense, though. But he fits a need for the Hawks. Now, Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich, half the league is apparently calling about him. I don't think the Hawks will get rid of him, though. And John Collins, of course, will he end up finding a new home? That's the uh, universal question. But think about the Hawks this year. And there, I've ranted about this many, many times. Number one, the injury issue has been a thing. That is basically the team looks pretty damn good when everybody's healthy. I think it's a pretty good starting five when everyone's healthy. But there have also been nights, and I go back, it was about, I don't know, a month ago, a game they played in uh, Indiana against the Pacers. They just looked completely disinterested. And that that was so disappointing to me. It just made me almost angry with this team that I've loved for over 30 years, following following the Hawks through a thick and thin. thin, And just – Hasn't been a lot of enjoyable seasons as an Atlanta Hawks fan, especially when you get to the latter part of the uh, 1990s onto the uh, first part of this century. It was ghastly. Horrible draft choices, uninspired coaching hires, ISO Joe, which was just 
just horrible to watch. Just watching Joe Johnson dribble the basketball for 15 seconds and then drive or shoot or whatever. Everybody else just standing around with their hands on their hips. That was just that was just awful to watch. And then, of course, we have what happened two years ago. And I will always think that had Trey Young not stepped on that official's foot against the Bucs, the Hawks could have beaten the Bucs, and they certainly could have beaten the Phoenix Suns, and that would have been the most improbable championship runs in history because you remember what that season was like. You fire a coach who did, Trey did not get along with. You bring in uh, Nate, and they go on this improbable run. But I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest mistake that Nate McMillan did, he kept the assistance that he inherited from Lloyd Pierce. He kept those guys on for that run, but then the following year, he gets rid of all those assistants, brings in his own guys, and as you see, it's been diminishing returns ever since. That was a colossal mistake. But I can understand as a head coach, you want to bring in your own guys. But that was working so well, then you bring in your own guys, and things just start heading drastically in the opposite direction. Travis Schlink starts to kind of apparently resent the influence that Tony Ressler's 27-year-old son has over that organization. It's like his dad gave him a billion-dollar toy to play with. Why couldn't he have just bought him a sports car and given him a, a ski lodge out in a Vail and a, a beach house out in California? But no, let's give him an NBA team to uh, play with. And he knows nothing about the NBA. And apparently he has he's the ultimate decider. You have a young GM. And when Travis Schlink left, a lot of uh, executives with a lot of experience went with him. And you bring in a bunch of young, unproven people who may not have any idea how basketball works. Or maybe they do, but it's going to be delayed gratification because they're not sophisticated in the ways of the NBA. They don't have enough experience. So they're, they're just kind of uh, swimming or dying, basically. Making it up as they do, go. Try to figure it out. So it's so many problems with this um, Hawks franchise. Think about the Eastern Conferences, too. I think the top five teams are basically going to remain intact. And I don't see this Hawks team going on a run, which is a shame. So whatever they do at the trade deadline, and and is this Nate's last year? I wouldn't be surprised if it it would be. I mean, I wonder what the essence, and I guess we'll never know, of the Travis Schlink situation was. Was there some sort of a coup? And you force out a guy that's one of the main architects of what we're seeing out in Golden State the last several years with all those titles. And no offense to the the Hawks' uh, young GM, talking about Landry, no offense there, but he's only 33. And I know he went to Stanford, very bright kid, certainly, spent some time in the NBA, injuries derailed his career, and I've heard him on with – with uh, Fricky and uh, Hugh, by the way, every weekday from uh, 5 to 9 a.m. right here on Sports Radio 929 The Game. Seems very bright and polished. Seemingly has a bit of a vision. Maybe he learned a lot of good things from Travis Schlink and he can apply them and add his individual touch to it. And maybe we can get back to where we were two years ago. But I'm just not seeing it right now, though. It, it's so maddening to watch, especially when the Hawks just appear disinterested. Just playing with no sense of urgency whatsoever. And, of course, uh, Trey Young has gotten his uh, share of criticism, and he deserves it, certainly. I think he does. Hopefully the fact he did not make the All-Star team will reignite that chip that he had on his shoulder coming into the league. 
where everyone told him, oh, you're too small, you'll never be able to make it in the NBA. And he proved everyone wrong. And then I think complacency set in. So hopefully now, after complacency sets in, maybe some maturity will set in. Maybe a sense of urgency will set in for Trey Young and the rest of this team for that matter. I wouldn't mind seeing the former Boston coach come here. He was having consensual sex. It wasn't like he was roofing people, forcing himself on him. It was consensual. Now, it's a bad look, optically speaking, certainly. I understand that. But that doesn't mean he should be banished forever. It seems like nowadays the punishment never fits the crime. The punishment is usually far more severe than the crime was because everybody wants to feel virtuous and they want to make sure they bury someone if they dare step outside the line. You know, the cultural Marxism that I think is going on basically is what it boils down to. Conform or be cast out. But it's a, it's a very frustrating thing. Especially the the optimism after that that run two years ago the, to the conference finals. Could not wait for the uh, for uh, last year to start. And then a Trey comes out with that unfortunate remark that really was a horrible PR blunder on his part. Say, well, we're just kind of bored with the regular season. Summing up what he said, not not verbatim, but that's basically what he said. Well, get get a little bored. That's a team that was complacent. That was a team that felt like they'd have arrived when they haven't won anything. It was certainly exhilarating. I mean, State Farm Arena was a place to be. It was sexy. You had all the rappers in the front row. But guess what? You keep losing. The rappers are just going to go to New Orleans or Memphis to watch a game, probably. <laughs> I mean, it was such a, a sexy thing, but not anymore now. And it's such a frustrating, unfortunate thing to uh, see. But that's just the way it is right now. So, all right. Not, not anything exciting in the rumor mill for the Atlanta Hawks. I guess anything could happen. But you don't have a lot of assets, though. And Jante Murray, I love him as a player. He seems like... A consummate pro. He's always held. He's always accountable. He certainly seems determined, kind of stoic in a way, intense, in a very good way. I did like the fact, though, he was on. Was it Matt Barnes' podcast? He was talking about how he was. Uh, how he he was kind of uh, casted in a certain light because he grew up in the hood, but he grew up in Seattle. There's no hood in Seattle, is there? There might be a couple of. Sketchy areas, perhaps. That's not the hood, though. I grew up in more of a hood than uh, DeJounte Murray did in South Decatur or Belvedere Park. With Down By Law, that streak, I was friends with all those guys growing up. That was one of the most dangerous street gangs in the uh, city of Atlanta back in the day. I've been to Seattle. I don't know about any kind of hood spots out I, there. I, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I don't I'm, really. No. I'm thinking of Andy Bunker uh, drinking uh, a latte <laughs> at Starbucks. All the hippies, the best hippies money can buy are in Seattle and Portland, for that matter. He's talking about he's from the hood. I don't, I don't get that. But I, I like him a lot. But you you gave up a lot for him. And what was Travis Schlink's uh, big thing? Assets. Always wanted to have assets because you need assets to build a roster. Hawks don't have many assets now. So I think now we're going to be in this torturous purgatory of mediocrity going forward. Hopefully it'll never be as bad as it was in the late 90s, early uh, 2000s. And that was just ghastly. 40 lost seasons, 65 lost. It was just terrible. It was uh, it was unwatchable. Like I said, with horrible, horrible draft choices. I mean, famously, Chris Paul could have been here, but no, no, no. 
Can't do that. And it's interesting to go back and look over the Hawks draft history. Instead of John Conkak, we could have had Carl Malone or Chris Mullen. I mean, you could you could probably do that with every team, but when your team hasn't won squat, when we've never been to the NBA Finals, those mistakes seem to be magnified. I know it's the past, but it seems like, you know, with the Hawks, the uh, the past is the present. It just seems to never really get better until you bring in Travis Link and then you alienate him, and now you're back to this, uh, like I said, purgatory of torturous mediocrity. I mean, it's like I watch games now with a bit of an eye roll with these Hawks, who, by the way, are back in action tomorrow night in New Orleans to take on the uh, Pelicans. Pre-game at 7, tip at 7.30. Next home game, Thursday, the Suns come to town. Then the Spurs are in town on a Saturday. Then on Monday the 13th, the Hawks are heading up to Charlotte to take on the uh, Hornets. All right, going to come back. How about this day in history? And we, I've been kind of morbid and dark tonight. Well, I've got a morbid this day in history coming up next. Sports Radio 929 The Game. <laughs> We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Rob Triple in for John Chuckery. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We're going to do uh, this day in history coming up right now as we speak. On this day in 1958, eight players, three staff members, of uh, Manchester United dying in a plane crash near uh, Munich, Germany. And it makes you wonder, God forbid, if it would ever happen to any one of our major professional sports leagues, well, they do have contingency plans in place. Now, Major League Baseball really, really hesitant to talk about what they would do. NBA and NFL, they're okay with talking about it. In, in a, major League Baseball, not necessarily. But the National League did actually give this information out. If an accident deprives a team of seven or more players, the other nine teams in the National League will make available a list of 12 players, a limit of two players from one club can be uh, drafted on that team that suffered that uh, catastrophic accident. As far as the NBA, if something happened to a team in the NBA, each team could protect up to five players. NFL, now if it's not a horrible Action, if you only lose a few players, you're required to play out the season, but you'll have priority on all waiver claims. Now, 15 or more players are victimized in a catastrophe. You get the number one pick, and there'll be a restocking draft coming up the following uh, season. Did you ever have any idea about that? Have you ever thought about that, Josh? I mean, I think that's something that crosses everybody's mind, but not, not something that like, I constantly think about. <laughs> oh, I do every day. But, yeah, you think about it because what? Uh, you think about Marshall. There's the there's, Oklahoma State had a bad bus accident, too, I think, with their women. Yeah, and then there was the yep. uh, the hockey team a couple years ago. In I Russia, believe. yep. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and and not, I knew one of those guys, too, decently really? well. He was, he was on the Thrasher's uh, staff. And, uh, and one thing, never fly on those Russian planes, man. Those, those commercial airliners in Russia, oh, my God, they're, not main, they're all 40 years old, not maintained very well. But there was the uh, the bit in Seinfeld where George is talking about, you know, <laughs> you would think of a 162-game season, one team will just get wiped out, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's something that pops up, but you don't want to think about it. 
All right. Well, I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> How about this one? There was a soccer match. I think it was in um, it was in Africa, and both teams were on the same sideline, but they were separated. But I guess the configuration of the stadium required that both teams were on the same sideline. Lightning struck and took out one team almost entirely. Did not even touch the other team, and yet they were on the same sideline. All right, we'll go to something uh, more upbeat. Uh, the new musical ex- uh, Express, it's like a cultural musical thing based out of uh, the U.K. Back in 2014, they, um, in their opinion, revealed that uh, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit was the uh, number one rock song of all time. That, that's up for debate. I think Nirvana has a lot more better songs than that. It was just such a, it was such an innovative thing when it came out in 1991. We were, we were mired in the uh, unfortunate era of hair metal and all those unfortunate bands. And certainly is a great song, but Nirvana's got a lot, lot better songs than that. On the state in uh, 1998, Falco, famous for uh, Rock Me Amadeus, died in a car accident. Car hit a bus. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I guess I'm really morbid today. <laughs> this date in 1982, uh, I was in high school then. Centerfold by Jay Giles is the number one song in the country, and the video was kind of creepy, though. He actually featured actual high school girls in lingerie as he's dancing around them, oogling them. He's like 40 years old at the time. But that seems to be common practice, though, in Hollywood and the music industry. Go figure. The state in 1965, Righteous Brothers began. I'm surprised this was only a two-week run, two-week run at number one with uh, You Lost That Loving Feeling. Of course, the Righteous Brothers aren't brothers at all. This date in 1958, The Quarrymen were established. And it's a band that uh, consisted of Lynn Gary, John Lowe, Eric Griffiths, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison. (laughs) So how did those guys feel after they made it big? How did Lynn Gary feel or Eric Griffiths or John Lowe? And, of course, uh, (laughs) this is kind of funny how he came out of nowhere. Rick Astley is uh, 57 today, born on this date in 1966, and now we're getting Rick rolled left and right. It's kind of fading away now, but it kind of popped up recently. My 11-year-old son loves that song. I liked it when it came out, and I, I was a big, I was a punk rock guy, an alternative guy, but I, I like a good pop song too. It's so funny though; he had such a good soulful voice, but he looked like Howdy Doody or Opie Taylor. Oh yeah, how's that voice coming out of that face? And the funny thing is though, when um. When Foo Fighters brought him up on stage, I guess about seven years ago, and they just did a really plugged-in, raucous, uh, uh, rockin' version of that of that same song as well. So that's your that's your uh, date in history right there. But yeah, that's um, kind of a morbid thing. I guess I have been morbid tonight with some of the things I've been talking about. Yeah, a little macabre, but it's okay. Maca- the macabre. It's all right. Right, right. Of course, we got the uh, Super Bowl coming up on uh, Sunday, and we're going to get into uh, NFL news coming up at the uh, at the top of the hour, but. As of things as as things are standing right now, though, it's amazing how evenly matched these teams are. Eagles and Chiefs both have sixteen and three records. Both teams have scored a total of five hundred forty-six points. Both teams sixteen and three. Both teams have scored a total of five hundred forty-six points. Both teams have six All Pros. Both are number one seeds, and right now the Eagles are a two-point favorite with an over-under of uh, 50. And I wonder why that is. It's got to be because of that defense. 72 sacks. you got four guys with um, double-digit sacks. But you've got that dude, though, by the name of uh, Patrick Mahomes. 
It's funny now, he's the all-time leader in pass yards per game, 303, and pass TDs per game, 2.4. That's crazy. And somebody was asked, um, who was it? Some NFL pundit. His uh, top five greatest quarterbacks. He had Dan Marino in there. He had John Elway. He put Patrick Mahomes at number two. Isn't it a little bit premature, though? I think ultimately he will end up being regarded in that way. Because quarterbacks don't do what he can do. The, the different arm slots that he has. Archie Manning could do it. Archie Manning was actually the best athlete of all the Mannings. He's a much better athlete than Peyton or Eli. The bad thing about Archie Manning is, though, he had to run for his, lives for all, for his life for all those years on the uh, Saints and the Oilers, I believe. But some of the plays he would make, he could do like a fast-pitch softball type throw and complete the pass. He just did everything possible just to uh, get the ball out because he had no one blocking for him. But Mahomes is certainly uh, special, and Jalen Hurts, too, his development. I, I was kind of on the fence about him, but he certainly has established himself. He's in, he's in, the, he's in the Super Bowl. A lot to be said for that. Certainly has a defense, but I'm certainly he's – not, he's not Trent Dilfer, who, by the way, was very critical of uh, – Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, based on the way the game is played now, how different it is now, you can't really hit the quarterback anymore, and they're so overly protected. And, of course, Trent Dilfer benefited from a generational defense with the Ravens from back in uh, 2000. But Super Bowl coming up on uh, Sunday, of course. I wish they'd get rid of the uh, the weekend between. There was one or two years where they, they went ahead and played the game without the uh, week layoff. I had to resort to watching – college basketball this weekend. And I have not watched regular season college basketball in a long time. Do you watch it at all, Josh? I do not. I am not a big college basketball fan. Were I you watch- ever? It used to be a lot more interesting. It than used it is to be now. a lot more interesting because you had kids who stayed in yep. school, and they had a, there's a personality with the team, and you and could, the you team could hate grows. Them. Yeah, yep. you said there's a personality. There is a chemistry with the team. You right. you know the guys. You see the kids come up freshman, sophomore, junior year. Yep. Um, but now, obviously, you know kids are jumping and and kids are going alternative routes, and it's right. just tough to identify with some of the kids. And so, like I said, I saw the list of the uh, projected top 10 picks from the for the NBA draft. I don't know any of them. Yep. Except for uh Victor Wimbayana who, you know, the kid from France, I think. Yeah, who he's everybody's a freak talked too. about. What is he is he 74? Uh, yeah, he's like 7 foot 3, something like that. And of course, he'll he'll put on weight. I mean, he's real skinny now, but it's yeah. amazing the, the handle he has and uh create his own shot. But then again, you always look at for me, it's about can these guys even though if they do put on weight, are their bodies conditioned to hold up to an 82-game season? Yeah. Because it's completely different from college to the to the NBA. Uh, and you've seen guys, you know, Greg Oden is a big example. Oh, he had the bad um, feet, though, man. Amari Stoudemire is another example. Yeah. Uh, their bodies just start to break. Yao Ming is another example. Their bodies yeah. just start to break down over time. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out, but yeah, college basketball, it's just a tough watch. I did watch the Michigan-Ohio State game over the weekend just because I'm a Michigan fan, um, and that's a big game, but yeah, I just, I can't really get that involved in it. Yeah, it's a shame, too, because it used to be, I'm telling you, especially uh, back in the 80s, I mean, the Big East was always must-see TV. You, you had all those great players. You, of course, you had Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and you had those coaches, so much personality the coaches between John Thompson Louis Carnesecca, um, God, the list goes on and on and on with those guys. And 
That was always must-see TV on Tuesdays. The ACC was great with Bobby Crimmins and all those, and Dean Smith and all those, uh, all those rivalries, too. But now it's just lost its luster. But March Madness is still pretty entertaining, though. And it's gotten interesting now that with all the one-and-dones, you do get to see a George Mason go on a run. You get to see those teams, not necessarily Cinderella's anymore because you've got teams that stay together. And, you know, you get a team that's been together three years, they can beat those teams with those uh, – Young prodigies are going to be in the NBA next year, but they're just not as polished. So, and as for Georgia and Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech basketball is a disaster right now with Josh Pastner. It's an absolute disaster. Embarrassing loss after embarrassing loss. Nobody's going to see the games. I don't even think the uh, the players' families are going. They're like, "Now nah, we're good. We have plans tonight. We're going to go to we're going to go to Applebee's. Maybe we'll get them to put it, put it on the TV or something." Georgia has a bit of a pulse, though, certainly. Pretty good overall record, pretty good conference record, but Alabama looks like a bona fide Final Four team. And it's interesting how good SEC basketball is now. It's like, oh, that's just a vast, that's a football conference, not necessarily anymore. A lot of good teams in the SEC. Of course, ACC still relevant, but I think it's only for the third time this century. North Carolina and Duke played this weekend, where both teams were unranked. I mean that that's a sign of the weird times that we're going through. And I think that's another thing. There's there's such a shuffle at the top. Yeah. You know, you'll have a team number one, then they lose. And then yeah, UNC team was comes preseason in, one, Duke was then preseason they lose. seven. And then, you know, we've had Alabama number one. We've had Gonzaga number one. I mean, there's just so many teams, um, and there's a lot of parity to college basketball right now. And I think yep. a lot of it has to do with just the inconsistency in yep. the, um, the just the players. Yep. Guys just bouncing in and out. And so it's hard to kind of get emotionally attached mm-hmm. to it. I did. Uh, I did watch. Um, I watched a bit of a uh, Duke UNC because I, I know my daughter goes to UNC. She's not a big sports fan, but she was all about them last year because there's nothing more exciting if you're on campus and your team is going on a run, and has a chance to win a Final Four or a football national championship. So she got sucked up in that excitement. And my daughter's more of the artsy type; doesn't really care about sports that much. And I texted her. Let me guess, you were not watching Duke-UNC. She goes, oh, I totally am. So she's uh, she's least interested in watching her school play. Got to see uh, number one Purdue get knocked off by Indiana. And that was kind of fun to watch because a real good friend of mine, we're sitting in the bar watching it, he graduated from Indiana, so he has the gear on, and he is intensely watching this game. And it's actually a good game to watch. And forgive me for not knowing this uh, kid's name. Purdue has a big man, and he's very Frankenstein, and all that's missing are the bolts from his neck. I think he had like 38 points and 18 rebounds. He, lo- he looks like a, a dominant player who might end up being a pretty good player in the uh, NBA. But that, that was fun to watch. So me actually um, watching a college ba- regular season college basketball. It's like Zach Eady, I think, is his That's name. his name. That yeah, is, that Zach is his name, yes. Yeah, he is very Frankensteinian. He is. Yeah. Yes. That, that's kind of mean to take a personal shot like that, though. Just having fun, though, Zach. He's going to make more money than I am anyway. He's seven foot four, 300 pounds. Yep. And he moves very well, though. Good touch, physical player. I mean, he looks like looks like a nice player. But I wonder if hopefully he won't. Big men always suffer from the feet. If they get those micro fr- fractures in their feet, they're done. Like you said, Odin. Yeah. yeah. Or back issue. I mean, Bill Walton's feet let him down eventually. Because that's just uh that's a big burden on your feet to carry all that weight and that height around. Like I said, I think it's a total total difference going from college where you're playing thirty games. Right. Double that in the NBA. And we've we've heard the NBA, we've heard the uh, rookie wall, the plus, proverbial rookie wall. Plus the travel, plus right. you're not playing against 
kids. Nope. You're playing against full-grown grown men. men. Yep. And not to mention the back-to-backs as well. I wish they'd get rid of those. All right, we're going to come back, and this is uh, Josh's moment to shine. We're going to rank them. Can't wait to see what he's going to come up with there. We're going to rank them next. Sports Radio 1990 game. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.